Welcome to Hollywood 2.0, this is Peter Katz and my co-host Rich Silverman. Today we're going to be talking about music. Hey everybody, hope everyone's doing well out there in internet land. We have the co-founder and CEO of Tastemaker X with us today, a gentleman by the name of Mark Ruxin, who's going to tell us all about this new app that is coming out soon. It's the stock exchange for music meets fantasy football. Cool. So, uh, so my name's uh, Mark Ruxin, and I'm the founder and CEO of Tastemaker X. And uh, I have been thinking about this idea for uh, for probably a, a decade. And uh, we started the company about a year ago, and um, launched a private beta about three weeks ago at South by Southwest. And by the time uh, we hit the summer festival season uh, around Bonnaroo, we should be in a in a public beta. And what's the story behind uh, Tastemaker X? Like kind of uh, give people a kind of a walkthrough if people are not uh, familiar with that yet. Sure. So um, I, you know, I start I start with a couple of inspirations, and then I'll I'll give you the kind of moment of truth. But um, for for people that can remember back to the the first wave of the web, there was a, a property called the Hollywood Stock Exchange, and um, it was pre-social web, pre-smartphone, and it was a platform for people to buy and sell and kind of make bets on movie futures. And although it was a clever idea, I think it was a bit ahead of its time. And, and the thing that I always struggled with, and I'm a, I'm a, a movie zealot in addition to being a, a music nut, is that you were making a one-time bet on opening box office for a film because things get pretty predictive after that. And what I think um, the, the game that people like to play with culture is, I, I was into that thing before it got big. So um, if, if you were to apply the Hollywood Stock Exchange model uh, to Tastemaker uh, and film, when, when we get to film, it would be more about, um, I saw the film Pi and I bought the director Darren Aronofsky who's you know, gone on to make many great films after that. So part of it was I, I, I had a real fascination with the game, but it wasn't mobile and it wasn't social, and these were short-term bets that you were making versus long-term bets that play out over time. I think the real impetus for the, the business was um, I, was in New I lived in New York for 10 years, and, and I was in New York about three and a half years ago, and over the weekend, and because I was there over the weekend and I'm not there um, often enough to... to really get to see music the way I used to when I was younger. Um, I went to, to go see music, and the best band on the board was a band called Blitz and Trapper, uh, who's from Portland. And uh, and we went to go see Blitz and Trapper down at the Bowery Ballroom, and we walked in, and it was a sold-out show, and, and there were these five bearded hippies sitting on stools playing this just incredible music, and no one knew who they were, and they were shy, and they weren't really talking in between the set. And at the end of the set, they said... Thanks a lot. We're the Fleet Foxes. Uh, we've got a record coming out next week, and it, that was three and a half years ago. They went on to, you know, be the number one record of the year for Pitchfork, and they've become a real, a real big band, and a real influential band in the world of music. And my thought at the time was, how do I go long this band? How could I prove that I was here before anyone had heard this band? And and that was kind of the genesis of of the business. How do I apply? Um, a, a vertical passion that I can activate on a mobile device and share that across the social graph. A, because 
I think it's important that people, you know, hear great music like that. And I think the the, the game that people play is I, I was there first, and um, what better way to you know share wonderful culture in in that moment and it, than by doing it in this mechanism. So in a sense, you could. I, I didn't even think about it. It's really interesting. You could literally get, let's say, a musician before they blow up, and you would you be the one? Like, would it be would you be recognized as the trailblazer if you get them first? Like, we get shares first and a upstart band. So, so there'll be a couple ways you're recognized. You know, one is you'll get a badge that says you were the first people, first person to trade this band. So, um, on the one hand, and and we'll kind of get into the mechanics of of the app, but on the one hand, um, it's a discovery mechanism, a la IMDb, the Internet Movie Database, for music. So you could just use the app to discover. You know, uh, you know, I just told you about the Fleet Foxes. If you hadn't heard about the Fleet Foxes. You could go to a search engine and type in the Fleet Foxes, or you could go to uh, the Tastemaker app and you could type in Fleet Foxes and you could see a bio of the band, you could see a picture of the band, and then you could see all the people that own the band and you could start to explore other bands that these people own virtually um, through the starting point of this one band. The other thing that will happen to players as they play the game is they'll uh, we score everybody. So um, there's a, a business called Clout which measures one's social influence by looking at the number of followers on Twitter and friends on Facebook and connections on LinkedIn. And uh, it looks at the, the true reach of an individual and it also kind of weights how many people, you know, comment or like or retweet the stuff that you put out there. Within Tastemaker, what we'll do is uh, take a look at how many people follow you uh, and then how many people comment or like the things that you put out there. So what it does, in, in a sense, is... Um, create an influence graph that mirrors the influence that you can see in the stock market. So um, if you're Warren Buffett and you announce that you're buying Bank of America stock, the stock jumps. If you're an influential player in the tastemaker ecosystem and you buy, say, Lana Del Rey nine months ago and you reach a lot of people, you have a lot of people following you um, when you publish your transactions across Facebook or Twitter, lots of people will see them. The influence on the price of the band will go up based on how important you are as a player. So everyone will get a score between 1 and 100, and that'll be your vertical influence um, within music. So uh, if you discover an artist, you can really inflect the distribution and the, um, the, the number of people that we'll see and, and turn on to or um, you know, get to explore that artist. So basically a Warren Buffett would be like a pitchfork media journalist. Yeah, could be a pitchfork media journalist, could be... Um, uh, left sets who puts out an influential music note. It could be an artist. It could be Lady Gaga bought uh, Lana Del Rey nine months ago, and her true reach is massive. So, um, or it could be a journalist on Pitchfork, or it could be Pitchfork itself. Pitchfork could have its own portfolio that they're tracking. How are you setting the initial values for artists uh, once you open up the app? Because I, I, you're you're in beta right now, and I'm just kind of browsing through it, even as uh, as we're talking. And seeing that everybody has an initial kind of price set, how, how is that being determined? Yeah, it's a good question. So we have a, a three or four different algorithms that run through the app, and and one of the things um, uh, one of the things we did is create what we call the IPO algorithm, and that's not it's not a public message that we put out there, but it is um, to your question, it is the price that you're seeing right now for a band. And what we did was take about 22 different data points from likes and follows on Facebook and Twitter to 
things like plays on Last FM to search queries to uh, the age of an artist or the career age of the artist to the number of releases and we created a, a weighted algorithm for it so and and the reason that we did that is if you take a look at the traditional benchmarks for success in the music business you had SoundScan which was a proxy for how many records you sold and you had uh, Polestar which was a proxy for how much money you made um, as a touring artist and if you're a band like Fish you might not sell a lot of records but you make a ton of money touring and there's a whole bunch of chatter on the social web um, because they're a fairly social band but it doesn't show up on SoundScan. Conversely, if you're Bob Marley and you're dead, you still sell a bunch of catalog records. Still, People still talk about you quite a bit and license and play your music all over the place. So by using social signals and things active things like plays and likes and follows, we set um, a different initial price, which I think is closer to the true um, real importance of a band than some of these other uh, benchmark proxies. So we price every band, and we've got about 85,000 bands in the database now through this initial algorithm and once we set that initial algorithm then it's an open market so anytime someone buys or sells a band the price of the band will automatically tick up or down and it'll do so uh... based on the importance of the player so as i was saying before if you're an influential player in the game and you buy uh... A brand new artist and the, the lowest price that an artist in the database can be is 25 cents we call the currency in the game notes but um, so an influent an influencer who buys thousands of shares at 25 cents might make the next price of, of the band 50 cents because they're gonna have massive reach and people will begin to notice the band and buy the band if uh, a person without a lot of reach bought the same number of shares the price will still tick up, but it'll do so by a lesser amount. So maybe it goes from you know twenty five to twenty six cents. I, I want to know huh. who the who the poor bands are who are initially only trading at twenty five cents. Who are they? <laughs> yeah, I haven't I haven't come across. I'm sort of compulsively browsing through this right now, and uh, I, I haven't seen any twenty five cent bands yet. Oh, you should you should go check out my portfolio. I don't. I I think at least. Two thirds of the bands in there. Well, maybe half the bands in there are under under uh, under one note. And uh, so, does this favor uh, more like a penny stock, where in the sense that if you could get a a new artist that blows up, it's better than obviously maybe getting like let's say Eminem or U uh, two something that's already established, so there's going to be less movement. Well, for example, we we launched the app at South by Southwest, and. One of the buzziest bands of the past six months is a band called Alabama Shakes. So they're a band from Alabama. They sound, it's a female singer, but they have a kind of a black keys sound. And uh, Alabama Shakes was about 30, 30 cents or, or 0.3 notes when we opened it South by Southwest. And if you look at them now, uh, they're 160. So although the net price of the band um, is a lot lower than, say, Radiohead, they have they don't even have a record out right now. They've been around for about nine months, and um, and they're you know they're up five hundred percent since they debuted at uh, a quarter about three weeks ago. So um, I think when you look at the at the what to buy and sell if you're really a hardcore player in the game, maybe Arcade Fire doubles over the next five years, but you got a five bagger out of Alabama Shakes over the course of two weeks. So um, but again, back to the core um, function of the game, 
it doesn't you you don't have to be an active game player it's just um it's another way to express the stuff that you're into in the form of a portfolio and i was actually just writing a presentation for a talk i'm giving in a couple of weeks and i think you know our one of one of the mantras that we have is that um, songs are ephemeral, um, and you know anyone can have a great song, or you might be in the mood for uh, you know a particular song. But bands are really forever, and and you know you want to you want to discover the next My Morning Jacket or Radiohead or some band that you'll have with you for a long time. And you know the way to do that is by t- is to tap into bands um, and not songs. So when people talk about how great Spotify is. Um, it's really more about songs than it is about bands. And we're really focused on helping people and helping bands find an audience that will be with them for a long period of time. So some people might not even want to sell their shares. They're like, they go, I buy um, uh, some rapper they're a big fan of. They're like, maybe it's just kind of a shows their fandom, you know, and what they're behind. They're backing them more than I want to be the leader of this uh, game. I think so. I mean, you know, I've got an artist in, in my portfolio who, and one of the things when you screw around with the game, we ask you to answer three questions when you start. We think of that as kind of, I mean, that is that is your profile. So when you go to look at Mark before you, before you follow me, um, you should look at my profile and you'll see that the seminal live show of my life was Jeff Buckley at the Fez Bar in New York in 1993. My Desert Island band is, you know, Nick Drake and my if I were in a band, uh, you know, I, I would have wanted to have, have been in, in the Velvet Underground. I love those bands, and, I, and I'll always love those bands. And you know, those are those are artists that probably won't trend too much over time. Although there's going to be a biopic about this artist Jeff Buckley, so maybe there's a resurgence of people listening to Jeff Buckley the way um, there was a whole bunch of people that discovered Nick Drake, you know, 20 years ago after Volkswagen put the Pink Moon song in a commercial. So. I think a lot of people just want to have a record of what they love. And, you know, I think the other way to look at it is if Arcade Fire is the next U2, then they've got 20 years of records ahead of them. So, you know, there's, you know, maybe they're a buy and hold band. But um, it just depends on how you want to how you want to use the platform. For some people, it's like these are the 15 bands that I care the most about. And two or three of them will be, you know, active active bands that I'm into and out of over time and some of them will just be the bands that you know I rep kind of represent who I am as a person can you tell us a little bit about the game aspects of this I, I'm uh, I'm woefully unfamiliar with um, fantasy football and Hollywood stock exchange and how those things kind of work are you uh, planning perhaps to run like mini games where, where people are given a set amount of time, like two weeks to build a portfolio and, and whoever is the best at the end of end of that, that time period win some kind of virtual swag? Yeah, I think if you go, so one of the things we have here and in, in, built into the game is um, uh, a whole bunch of achievements that you can earn. So, well, so, so on the most basic level, Everyone that downloads the app gets 25,000 notes to build a portfolio. And if you buy tons of 25-cent bands that go to $5 or five notes, um, obviously your portfolio will be up you know, tons and you'll be able to buy more bands. And you know, just like the real stock market, your portfolio will grow. Maybe you trim some positions and buy new stuff. But one of the things that we encourage you to do when you buy and sell shares of the band are do things like attach pictures. So if you're at a show, and I guess this kind of goes back to the last question, if you're at the Arcade Fire show, what 
most people do at a show is is you know one of a bunch of different things. They either tweet, they do a status on Facebook, they take an Instagram picture. Um, they're constantly doing something with their phones. I think what most people want to do is say, "I'm I'm here, I'm here now, and this is amazing. Uh, this is the photo that I took. This is the place that I was at. This is where you tag your geo and take a photo." And this is what I was thinking at the time. And so maybe Arcade Fire doesn't go up five times in the next year, but what you want to, you know, you want to buy 100 shares because they're a great band. And it's just the expression that you push out to Facebook and Twitter in lieu of something that's kind of less vertically focused. As you do all these things, you start to accumulate points, and those points convert into more currency. So the more you play, the more currency you earn. And the more things you do with every transaction, the more photos that you take and geos that you tag and comments that you make, that adds up to more points, which give you more currency in the game. If you go to the achievement screen, um, so if you go to anyone's profile and you go to achievements, you'll see, um, and that's, there's a little, uh, if you go to your own portfolio page, if you, whether you filled out the questions or not, and you click on the little ribbon in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see a whole bunch of achievements out there. Um, one of them was a South by Southwest badge. So if you bought 25 bands at South by Southwest, you'd earn a limited edition badge and you'd earn some more currency to play the game. Um, and there's, uh, we'll have one for Coachella. Um, we have the Don't Stop Believing badge, and that's, um, that's something in honor of your first trade. So everyone you know, is going to get that. And we'll have, over time, a whole bunch of different challenges that you do. So you know, uh, buy five female artists in a week and get, you know, 5,000 notes, compliments perhaps of a brand, or maybe it's just, um, maybe it's just something that we put out there. So, um, so that's just one of the ways that you play the game. Another way that you play the game is when you sort by, when you're in the app, and again, this is, um, this is a private beta, so a lot of the functionality um, won't be done for another couple weeks, which is why it's still a closed beta right now. But one of the things you do is when you go to charting, you'll see charting artists and then if you if you uh, click the the upper right hand toggle button you'll see trending artists and friends and in there you'll see a bunch of records with the number one in it in 10 days those numbers will be the dynamic numbers that are based on how well your portfolio is doing how many people follow you and how many people comment and like the stuff that you're putting out there and so you'll start immediately competing with your friends, so all the people that you're following. When you scroll over another screen, um, you'll see uh, trending tastemakers that have similar taste in music to you. So the more people you follow, the more people you'll be competing against or measured against within the game itself. And then lastly, one of the things that we're starting to see is um, artists actually responding to um, to people that own their shares. So if you go to pick any artist that's in charting, for example, you can just pick Radiohead since they're charting today. When you look at activity, which is the upper right-hand button inside that screen, you'll see the top 10 shareholders. Below that, you'll see the top influencers. And those are people, um, that's transparency that the artists have into their fan base. So I bought a bunch of shares of a band called Quiet Company the other night and I published it to Twitter, and what it said was, you know, Mark just bought a thousand shares of, of Quiet Company. Um, within 30 seconds, they responded back to me, the at Quiet Company TX, which is their Twitter handles, and said, like, this is awesome. 
we're coming to the Bay Area in a couple of months, um, yada, yada, yada. So I think over time, what you'll see our artists start to reward you know, their top shareholders, their top influencers with things like tracks, things like tickets. Um, you know, it's not for me to decide what they put back into the ecosystem, but people, you know, are monitoring Facebook and Twitter and they're activating fan bases in totally different ways. So I think part of the game is, you know, be the biggest shareholder or influencer and all of a sudden your favorite band, um, you know, knows who, who you are as a fan. Now, um, what interests me a lot is where I grew up in San Diego and it was a very competitive music scene. There are people that, that blew up and, and what was interesting was there's sometimes, like even in uh, San Diego, there was local kind of rivalries with music scenes. You have a like, very small, extremely local thing where people would be like, I want to support my scene or I want to support Oceanside. So it'd be kind of interesting. I was wondering if like you're looking at, uh, if people could look at local areas because some of the biggest movement isn't, well, obviously with Dr. Dre, it could be with someone coming out of, I don't know, like Glendale or saying, do you, can you localize the competition on that level where people are, one town's competing against another town? Uh, for what sure. bands create the most movement or one specific musician and try to have like some type of local or even a competition with one state versus another state? Well, one of the things we're going to do, so, I mean, I think the answer is, could, could we do that? Definitely. When are we going to get around to doing that? I don't know, but one of the things that we will be able to do is uh, have a charting functionality will, where you'll be able to, you know, plug in Jay-Z versus Kanye, and you'll be able to check out, you know, their charts against each other. Is Kanye trending up or down? Is Jay-Z trending up or down? So, um, you know, and in, in, if you think about just running Google versus Apple, uh, you know, stock charts against each other, you'll be able to see stuff like that. I think when you get to the local stuff, a lot of that stuff will happen on the web. So I don't know if you spend time on, on the web, but if you go to tastemakerx.com, um, anytime you publish a transaction, it'll provide, so you'll get a shortened URL and it'll say tstm.kr, and then you know typically it's the, it's the ticker for the band. You'll end up on that transaction page. And um, we're going to offload some of, some of this heavy compute stuff to the web. But if you go to trades, for example, on the website, you'll see the most recent trades. You'll see the trending tastemakers. Uh, so, did, Richard, did you just buy some Tom Waits? Uh, yes, I did. All right. Well, I see you right there. So, so I can look at your trade. I can look at your portfolio. We can see, uh, we can see who's following you. Uh, you didn't make a comment and you didn't tag your geo, but all this stuff happens on the web. So what we can do is uh, is begin to run um, you know analysis, kind of artist by artist, tastemaker by tastemaker. Will there eventually be something that you can do with points? Possibly, um, I don't know if you could partner with iTunes or another service where you can actually like spend your points to buy music, maybe even from an individual band's website. Yeah. So so V one is to get. Um, is to get the iOS, Android, and Facebook platforms built out. V2, which we hope happens, you know, within six months. When you run out of currency, because this is so fun, and you've bought all the bands you want to buy, and you don't want to sell anything that you own, um, we'll sell you more notes, not unlike Farmville. Uh, we'll also allow brands to sponsor more notes for more gameplay. Um, and when that happens, what we'll have is a dual currency in the game. So. You'll be able to uh, put real money into the ecosystem. You can convert some of that money to notes for gameplay, 
and some of that other money can be spent on you know virtual merch or tickets from bands. So we'll do um, you know we'll integrate with Songkick or Live Nation uh, or Ticketmaster on the ticketing side or Bandcamp or Topspin on the merchandise side. So um, so you'll be able to uh, potentially earn stuff that can convert to real merchandise, or you can actually put real real capital into the ecosystem and buy you know anything from tickets to merchandise back so that's that is um we're we're uh we're focused on that and we'll probably look for that to start rolling out in the fall it would be interesting to have uh uh top music bloggers compete against each other kind of like the you know uh like where you have um the you know the big the heavyweights go against each other about within a certain amount of time who could have the best uh, portfolio I would love to see Pitchfork versus uh, Gorilla versus Bear or Brooklyn Vegan or, or one of those guys. I think uh, I, I totally agree. And that's, that's totally doable. And I think, um, like I was saying before, a lot of that will happen on the web. So there's only so much compute time that your phone will allow us to do. So the core, one of the reasons we started on, you know, with mobile and web is that the most relevant time for you to use the app is you're at that show and or you're at Coachella in two weeks and uh, you stumble upon some band that you know nothing about and you're absolutely blown away um, I think what most people want to do is say you know how do I go along this band this band is gonna be the next big thing and I remember seeing people billowing out of the tent at Coachella last year watching Foster the People and you know it wasn't long after that the band absolutely blew up so um, as a as a real-time kind of live music experiential component, we wanted it to start on mobile, but a lot of the competitions and localization and contests um, will happen on the web where you just have, uh, you know, fast response times. We have infinite real estate to run contests. We have broader connectivity. Um, there's only, when you think about the apps that you, that you use a lot, um, they're usually they're very purpose-driven and, and, and very shallow. So when you think about Twitter, it's not a very deep app in the sense that you can all, all you can do is surface stuff and put out 100 and, uh, 140 characters. Um, on Tastemaker, you are playing a game, you're doing research on bands, you're doing research on Tastemakers, uh, you're going to be transacting. So a lot of that stuff will be offloaded to the web. But um, yeah, I can't wait to, to monitor the, uh, the blogger portfolio challenges. Where are you pulling uh, your database from? Uh, the images are really nice, and I'm also just incidentally enjoying the the look of the app. I like the kind of retro vibe that you went for. It's cool. Thanks. So, so uh, well, I'll start with the, the retro vibe. So that's so that's actually uh, a this is actually a 1957 Fender Tweed amp. So if you were to go to Google and type in Fender Tweed, you'd see this classic amp that um, you know is 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 the hipster retro amp that's come back. So because this is an amplification idea, uh, we thought it was uh, kind of relevant to, to use an app. We pull data from a whole bunch of different sources. So a lot of the core data that uh, is in the system comes from a company called the Echo Nest. So Echo Nest uh, you know, provides us with stuff like um, the, all the social metrics that we look at, so friends and followers. It also gives us similar artist uh, capabilities, that aren't the stuff that's not just generated by the data in the system itself. Um, we use Last.fm for images, so most of these images are coming from Last.fm. Um, when people buy or sell shares of a band, we're, we're assuming over time that you know this becomes really a photo sharing app for music. So 
Um, anytime you don't take a picture um, to attach with your transaction, uh, we'll, we'll uh, basically pick the most popular image that comes from the last FM database for each artist, or you'll be able to select the image you want from, uh, you know, from somewhere between one and ten, depending on how many images they have available. That's cool. Have you, um, how, what is the most, you know, what, because, you know, it's, it obviously you're in this very flexible, things are constantly, you're adapting. What are some of the most interesting ways you've, you've iterated as a company? Well, you know, again, we're, we're a pretty new company. So we only have a few thousand people in the, in the closed beta right now. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, you know, one of the things that, that we've had to think a lot about is, how do we create an ecosystem for fans and bands that's net positive? And so a lot of the stuff that we think about is, and so many people have come up to us and said, I can't wait till we can short bands. And, you know, our response is, you know, we don't really want you to short bands. Um, you can short bands, in a sense, by selling a band, but you have to have bought the band initially uh, in order to be able to sell them later. So if you bought Lana Del Rey or uh, Alabama Shakes um, for 25 cents and they went up to uh, 160, you might just be taking profits. It doesn't mean that you're a hater of the band. It means you're taking profits so you can find the next Alabama Shakes. But what we don't want are you know, people just putting out kind of negative expressions of, of, uh, of dislike. So if we had people you know, shorting or running options against bands, um, all they're doing is putting negativity out there. So we've, we've really had to kind of understand what artists want, um, what's going to make them get behind this thing. And I think what they like is they get this amazing transparency into their fan base. Um, what they don't like are all these negative signals that people are pushing out. So, um, you know, when people are tweeting, I just sold a bunch of shares of a band, um, in the context of, well, this, this person was into us nine months ago and they're taking profits, that's less negative than someone just shorted Lana Del Rey after they saw her on Saturday Night Live and, and thought she stunk. So um, it's, it's that kind of stuff that we're thinking about. Like, really, what's the balance between uh, what's the win-win that artists and fans are going to find um, that creates a compelling thing for, um, for people to do? Now, when you said that uh, the value of a stock could go down, would it, would it be based on... Uh, the album sales, or is it like a pressing? Is it just? Is there any other factor of the with a value of a musician going down? Yeah, so we look at a couple of things. I mean, one, um, the price of a band can go down if a lot of people are selling the band. So, say there's a run on Lana Del Rey. I'll just keep using her as an example, even though um, the, of the two thousand people that are playing the game, there's not a ton of shareholders, so her price has been. Um, kind of static right now, but say there's a run on a band, some buzz band, and then people sell the band to move on to the next band. Every time someone sells, the price will go down by at least a little bit. The other factor is, and this is to control for people just sitting on portfolios, we have a, a something that we look at called the decay functionality, and decay just says nobody has traded this band in some finite amount of time. It's gonna it, the, the price will erode a little bit, and that hopefully keeps people from just sitting on a position and not doing anything forever. Um, so if a band is just not interesting to anyone anymore, they're not putting out records, no one's liking them on Facebook, um, all these signals will basically tell us that you know this, this band is, is, uh, is 
kind of stagnant or they're not, they're no longer relevant. So those are the two different signals that influence price on the downside. I'm afraid that uh, I'm going to be as bad in, uh, in, in picking bands as I am in picking stocks, which is why I'm not in the stock market. Yet, yet I find myself compulsively pressing buttons on this thing. Well, I think the good news about, about Tastemaker, and it's the broad, um, it's the same view I share of, 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 of most of the social um, platforms on the web, um, there's a theory called the 1990. And that, if if you if you buy that theory, and I guess it's it's hard not to buy that theory because it you know it's really played out over almost a, a decade now. One percent of people make ninety uh, percent of the tweets, um, upload ninety nine percent of the videos on YouTube, uh, post ninety percent of the pictures on Facebook. So that one percent of of people across social platforms. Uh, really are responsible for you know ninety percent of the content creation. There's nine percent of people that are super active followers of people on those platforms. So people that subscribe to YouTube channels, that follow lots of people on Twitter, and watch you know their stream in real time, even though they don't um, they don't produce a lot of content themselves. And then ninety percent of the people follow links kind of randomly into and out of YouTube, uh, you know, from Twitter or Facebook. So the beauty of Facemaker is we really, um, you know, if there's only 1% of the people that are actively building portfolios and transacting in real time, um, that leaves a lot of room for people that just want to, you know, find the 15 tastemakers that turn them on to the music that they want to hear. And you know, for a lot of people, they're like, I-, I love your taste in music, and every year I wait for you to publish your best of list, and, you know, I read your blog and stuff like that. So a lot of those people just, you know, they just want the people that are going to turn them on in the music they like. They don't even have to be active game players. They can just follow portfolios um, and then either buy those same bands based on the portfolios that are out there or literally just, you know, watch the feed to see what people are, are buying. And then there's the 90% of people that'll say, uh, you know, because they see a link come across Facebook or Twitter, um, what's, uh, uh, what's Alabama Shakes? And they'll click on the link and they'll stream a clip of the track and they'll read the bio and they'll see, you know, uh, other bands owned by people that own that band. So, um, you know, we really think there's something for everybody here, even if you're not an active portfolio builder, if you like music, um, you'll, we hope you find that, you know, five to 20 people that turn you on to the stuff that you've been waiting for. That's a, that's a good point. You have, you have all these certain, uh, you know, people that you, uh, you serve, you know, and they have different needs, you know, and different behavior. So it's, uh, it's fascinating. And, uh, I look at, uh, with music, it's kind of like a lot of, uh, I live, uh, right by a bunch of the big record store, Amoeba, and there's a really it's beyond buying music. It's like you go in there and there's this, you're buying your identity, you know, of uh, people buying the, the big albums and vinyl. And it's, they're, they're, they're there and they don't have to be there. They could just, you know, be at home. But there's that, there's that, that, that deals with identity. And I was looking at with uh, music uh, on the web, you do have that identity in a sense, you know, but a lot of times I don't think people are rewarded if they are the people purchasing music. I don't think they could... They could they could showcase it's like their their vinyl you know on the web in a sense of I purchased this it almost seems like there's no uh, game mechanics to support the 
the purchase of, of music at, versus when you're younger where you could show CDs and vinyl. So I was wondering what your thoughts on that is, you know, if there, if there is an opening to like, at least, you know, validate people, their identity uh, by, by supporting the people who give back to music. Yeah, I think it's a great point. I wrote an article a couple of years ago called the, the Death of Touch, and it was my meditation on like the end of record stores and the end of bookstores and the end of video stores. And, um, you know, I live in San Francisco, and Amoeba is still a, a, a thriving um, kind of cultural place to be. And, you know, I, I know the, the, the L.A. store is, is still probably doing pretty well. Um, but I, I think, you know, that experience, you know, that that moment in high fidelity when you go in the store and you kind of go in there to get hazed by the Jack Black guy working behind the counter, or maybe he's the dude that just turns you on. Um, you walk in there and you're like, what do I need to buy? And he, you know, hands you the beta band record and all of a sudden, you know, life changes. So I think part of, um, you know, part of what we want to do is, is give people credit for, um, for discovery, for really kind of digging deep and, and, you know, getting in front of the trend. And this is, there's been no way to quantify um, how important and early uh, a tastemaker you were, and and you know, in 1989, my co-founder, founder and I, um, kind of randomly booked this band called Fish. Um, and they drove down from Burlington, Vermont, to a, our college in upstate New York, and we gave them 500 bucks, and they played for five hours. And you know, you could tell at that moment they were going to be a big band. Now, when you look back, people say, oh, I mean, it was totally obvious that they were going to be, you know, the next Grateful Dead or, or whatever the whatever the mantra was. But in this ecosystem, all of a sudden, you'll, people will be able to look and see like, oh, they've owned, you know, Arcade Fire since 2003 and they paid 25, you know, 25 cents for them. So, you know, I think part of the community is finding those kind of like-minded early adopters and, and having a way to, to interact with them. So there's going to be a, a consistent record where you where people could see that you got a band or you know a musician earlier than everybody else so it's yeah. you, so that's great because you're even if you don't own that share anymore you'll be able to say i got i got them first yeah and again we were talking about like where all this data is going to reside if you spend time on the website um and you look at tastemakers you'll see um you'll see their historical portfolio you'll see their current portfolio you'll see their trade history and that's where you're going to be able to pick up, you know, the cost basis somebody paid for a band, uh, when they bought the band, and a lot of that stuff. There's just not enough kind of room and compute time to do all of that on the app itself, which is why if you go to the website, it's actually, um, you know, it's actually going to be a pretty robust infrastructure. It's going to have, um, you know, most recent trades. So, you know, you're buying Gorillas and Tom Waits and Julie Cruz, and you'll see the stuff in in real time. And the other thing is you'll have this number which we call a T-score, which is your taste score, and that's going to be your vertical music IQ. So um, you're going to have this, you know, if you, if you have a 95 as a tastemaker, um, people are going to start looking to what you're buying because, in theory, you're picking, um, you're a great band picker, you have tons of influence, and you have a, tons of people commenting or giving you props on the stuff that you're buying. So there'll be two ways to see influence and to get credit for being, um, to being really active. That's about all the questions I have, uh, Peter. I guess the, the um, oh, I like to end it out as just kind of like you know it's like when you look at um, what is it uh, Pandora and then Pandora just starts becoming ubiquitous. It's just it's you know it's just it just it starts off this one thing and it just becomes it just goes everywhere. What is what is your 
your your your your short term like moving forward with this goal and people are going to see like like just kind of any highlights from your short term goals and then what are kind of like your big grand vision for uh you know eventually how would be you know you 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 want to like you wake up and like this is this keeps driving me uh forward what what are the two different scenarios like like that you have right now yeah i think it's a good question and i and i think when people think about the web and they they try to understand you know how companies got to be what they are you know pandora's been around for for 12 years um so they started as a as, as something called a music genome project and it was just a different way to diagnose similar artists by um, kind of mapping song structures against 400 attributes. Um, that was 12 years ago. Now they're, you know, the 10-ton gorilla in the internet radio space. But it took a dozen years for that to happen. Um, when people think about Pinterest, I think they think it started last month, but it's actually been around for over two years. Um, and when people think about Instagram, um, two and a half years ago, they were a company called Bourbon, and they were doing a you know kind of a nuance on the on the check-in model. I think for us, I don't think we're going to become something completely different, but we want this to be the you know vertical social network for music. And you know if that as soon as we build that out, we'll have Tastemaker for a whole bunch of different verticals. So um, the thing that drives me is nailing music music making sure you know we give fans um the opportunity to do everything they want to do in this paradigm with music and then we'll roll out tastemaker film and as i was saying it's probably less about um you know a film and more about an actor or a director but it's the same game i was you know into uh darren aronofsky right after i saw the movie pie and, you know, whatever, 10 years later, he made The Wrestler. And, you know, last year he made this movie, etc. We could do Tastemaker Food. So, you know, you were eating at the Kogi Taco Truck when there was only one. And now there's 75. You were, you know, eating at so-and-so's restaurant before they had a coffee table book. Um, we could do it for politics. So you were, you bought Obama when he was a community organizer and now he's the president. So I think the vertical... Um, uh, abilities here are super broad and and uh you know we're super focused on music right now but this paradigm lends itself to almost anything cultural where you have you know people that are passionate about something and care about having followers and care about you know getting credit for um what they're doing and you yeah. said that the uh, sorry peter that the the public uh, version is going to be available in about a couple weeks well we're going to open up the beta for coachella and it'll be totally publicly available uh, probably mid-May before Bonnaroo. I see. People can go to tastemakerx.com for information on what's going on with the app and when it's going to be available and all that kind of thing. Yeah, you can sign. Basically, if you go to the, if you go to the app store or you go to the website and put in your email, we're letting people in on a rolling basis. So by Coachella, we'll be letting you know people in. You know, uh, depending on demand, almost as soon as they put their names in. But you know, again, we can't. Uh, we're not. We we won't have a hundred thousand people in there. Um, for Coachella, and then by the time we get to Bonnaroo, it'll be open to the public. But anyone can register, and we're you know we're pretty good about letting people in in a timely fashion. Cool, very good. Well, thank you so much for talking with us this morning. I appreciate it.
Great, thanks a bunch, and uh, you know, keep 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 playing the game, and uh, I'll be following you in, in just a moment when I pick up my phone and see what's happening. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hollywood 2.0. This is very informative. I'm a huge fan of music, and uh, please check out more episodes. We got we got so far. I think we have Rich. We have how many? We have 14. I think we might have even more than 14 up. Oh, we could have 15 of lots Possibly of... 15. And yeah. please, if there's uh, anybody out there that you guys want to um, hear us doing an interview with, uh, let us know. And we will do our best to make that happen. All right. And uh, So, Rich, what's your contact info in case people want to holler at you? Oh, as usual, you can find me on my website, which is richsilverman.com. And um, it's just my first and last name on Twitter and Facebook as well. All right. You can check me out at peterkatzkatz.net. And email me at cats, K-A-T-Z, films at gmail.com. And uh, we'll be back soon with another episode of Hollywood 2.0. Until next time.